Good morning, afternoon or evening everybody and welcome to Razoo, the Zoo Review Podcast. I'm your host Jack Baker and today I am joined once again by my incredible co-host and fellow passionate zoo lover, the one and only Jodie McFarlane. Say hello Jodie. Hello everyone. Presented by Pangolin, the conservation podcast. This sister show promises to explore, appreciate and highlight the fantastic conservation work of zoos from around the world while also offering a perspective on the visitor experience. Today we are talking about the largest zoo in the UK, the incredible Whipsnade Zoo. Based in over 600 acres of beautiful English countryside, this zoo is a haven for hundreds of species from across the globe. As always, we are going to walk you through our day, each of the zoo's amazing themed zones, some of our favourite creatures, their conservation projects, and some of the moments which made our visit to Whipsnade Zoo truly unforgettable. We'll then wrap up, as always, with our two stars and a wish. So, without further ado, let's get started. And welcome back. Thank you so much once again, Jodie, for joining me today. Thank you very, very, very much. Um, And as always, I need to ask, what was your previous experience or preconceptions of Whipsnade before we visited the other week, month, the other few (laughs) weeks ago now? A while ago. (laughs) Yes. Um, I didn't really know anything about Whipsnade Zoo. I'd heard of it, but I don't think I could have even told you where it was. Um, And really, the only reason that we ended up going was because we were down in London, we were visiting London Zoo, which is kind of like the sister site, and so we just thought, let's go and see Whipsnade as well. So I went in with absolutely no preconceptions Mm -hmm. at all. And yes, it was a blank canvas, and I was pleasantly surprised. Yes, yes, because I was kind of similar. We'd been to London Zoo a few days before, loved it, loved everything about it. If you've not listened to our London Zoo Rezoo, go back and listen to that, because it was glowing, I would say. (laughs) Um, So go back and listen to that. But yes, I would agree that I didn't know much about Whipsnade at all, apart from a few things that like... We had been at London Zoo with Holly and Adam, who mm-hmm. both work for ZSL, the Zoological Society of London, who run both of these things. And they kind of built it up a little bit and kind of said all these things about what it was. And so I had all these kind of pre- little preconceptions that had been planted in my mind about it. But in reality, nothing too serious or major, no major picture had been formed. Yeah. Um, all I knew was it was huge. Um, <laughs> so yes, I was very, very excited to get there. Um, and yes, I guess the good, uh, important thing to mention is that it is a little bit outside London. So if you're staying mm-hmm. in London and want to visit, you will need to get a train from St. Pancras Station or find some kind of way to drive there or commute there because it isn't kind of, it's it's not right in the centre like London Zoo is. It's a little bit out, so you'll need to kind of plan your route accordingly. Yes. Um, but once you do, once you arrive, we arrived bright and early about before it opened I think it opened at 10 and we arrived probably about half nine we were very very keen yeah um so we arrived bright and early got in the queue we're kind of waiting ready to go what were your first impressions as you kind of arrived and saw that entrance building Jodie um (laughs) you know it's so long since we've been I can't even remember um well they had like a big sign saying ZSL Whipsnade which you know always great because people Love a little photo op. I had to stick um, my head in it. I oh, yes. To. Yeah, mm-hmm. we got many photos there. So that killed a bit of time while we were waiting. Um, and I remember one of the things that we talked about, this is a really boring point, but it's the kind of thing that we pick up on, <laughs> which is that there was a big sort of shelter over the area that you would queue. Mm-hmm. So if it was rainy or it was a really sunny day, you'd be in the shade or underneath the shelter. So... I feel like that is what we talked about most of the time, standing in the queue. Very exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were also toilets right at the start, just because, as you know, we talk about all the visitor experience, and Mm -hmm. that includes the toilets. Mm -hmm. So we nipped in there uh, before we headed in, and I believe you have a very interesting point to make about the toilets. They had a display about poo. They had a big display about poo, (laughs) and I just appreciated that. On such a deep level, because I was like, do you know what? Let's start with poo and work our way up from there. Because <laughs> just fantastic. I just loved it. Just appreciated that. Um, no, but I, it was good because it showed that they were using every bit of their zoo to, to educate, educate people in mm-hmm. some way. They were even using the toilets to plug some kind of conservation message. And uh, yeah, maybe plug as a plug, bad choice gonna... of art. So yeah, so that's how the day started. Mm-hmm. started with a poo poo 
And uh, yes, I mean, it can only go up from there. So, and indeed it did. <laughs> it did, it did. Uh, we waited in the queue for not very long. Uh, we did go on a Monday, so it was very, very quiet when yes. we went. Um, so we kind of got through the queue very, very quickly. Um, went up to reception, chatted to the lovely girl there. I bought a guidebook, as always. So we will be referring to that throughout listeners. Don't you worry. Um, <laughs> and then, yes, we headed on in. Um, and your first impression, I felt, as you kind of walk out actually into the zoo itself, was kind of a bit... I don't know where Where I'm going because there's this big map in front of you but I didn't know really at that point the scale of everything just how big it was so there was this little volunteer lady standing next to the side who went oh if you're walking you'll not make it in a day and I looked at that woman like you don't you underestimate my power (laughs) you don't understand me as a human being she did not know who she was dealing with no and but still very helpful in being like oh like you should prioritize if you really want to get around if you should prioritize this this and this and I think if I had a buggy or if I had a kid that I was dragging around with me I think that would have been super helpful because if you were in one of those scenarios where you were like trying to drag a child round. Yeah. It might be challenging to get round on foot. But yeah. we were like, no, we're going to do this. Uh, so chat to her. She was really nice. Gave us our advice. And yeah, uh, really useful tips about how like which wits were one way. And if you double back here, you'll not miss out on things. And, yeah. Like, she kind of recommended yeah. the best way to go to make the most of the time so that you mm-hmm. weren't doubling back and that kind of thing. Yes. Um, and it is the, the big map was split into zones. So I guess that's one way you could tackle it. You could think, well, I'm taking this zone first and then this one. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, when we walked in and she went, oh, you'll not make it in a day. I just thought, oh, no. Uh, oh, no. We've already established that Jodie does not do well with time limits and oh, zoos. Oh, I'm stressy. So, so <laughs> yes, I could see her twitching already. I was like, oh, this is going to be a long day. <laughs> it's going to be a long day. Um, and then, yes, you did spend a, quite a bit of the first, I think because I dragged Jodie out of our hotel and round London at about 7 to 8 a.m. every morning early. since we arrived. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> me being like, this woman would be like, we're not going to make, you're not going to make it round in time. You look like you were going to punch me in the face. Like, <laughs> uh. But we made it and it was fine. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a good time. It was a really good time. Um, and yes, I, the good thing I think about this first section, looking at this map as you for, first walked in, was it kind of helped display the concept of the zoo. And I think it's yeah. important we lay this out at the start for listeners in that this zoo, above all others, above Chester, above Edinburgh, above Highland Wildlife Park, above any other zoo that I can really think of off the top of my head right now, except for maybe Toronto Zoo, which was laid out in a similar way. Um, this is really established biomes mm. and like very themed, like this is Europe, this is Asia, this is Africa. So yeah. we'll probably be running through them in these kind of major themed zones and these major kind of themed round continent areas. They, yeah. they do diverge from that slightly sometimes, but on the whole, you kind of, you start with Europe, you jump round to Africa, mm-hmm. then you jump round to Asia and then there's this base camp bit in the middle which has like animals kind of random from, bits that don't yes. fit <laughs> yeah well the, the thing is they do fit it's just like they've gone we want a base camp too so we're yeah. going to shove it here mm-hmm. so yes there's kind of these like theme zones plus the base camp um so and yes. i appreciate that because that's a thing that we always bring up when we're talking about the layout of zoos mm-hmm. like why don't more of them have them laid out in their zones across the world and this yes. one did so mm-hmm. big tick for that to start with loved it loved it it makes it very easy for me to write the plan for the episode which was good <laughs> the only thing about it is that when you go in don't expect like in the Africa zone, you're going to be walking into an area that's built like an African city. You're not going to be walking into some kind of like really th- overly themed, themed buildings. Yeah, it's the animals are what's yes. tying that theme together. Yes. Yeah. So, and I think that's a really clever. I like. I feel like there was little splashes of theming, like at the cheetahs, which we'll talk about later on. Yeah. At certain areas, there were these little splashes, but. Um, yes, on a whole, it was much more kind of like reserved in its theming mm-hmm. while still being clever about grouping everything together, if that makes sense. So yeah. I, I quite appreciated that energy. And yes, I, I, I really liked it. It was a good kind of way to lay everything out. And I, so the first zone we kind of came to mm-hmm. was Europe. And the first animal was the bison. So the European bison uh, was extinct by 1927, although has now been reintroduced in several areas, um, including we had an episode of Pangolin with a rewilding project from from Kent um, that is looking to reintroduce bison. So there's lots of interesting conservation work going on there, but I don't know if I had much else to say apart from that because it was just a big field with bison. Yeah. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh. 
not going to lie to you, Jack. As you said that and went, the first thing we saw was a bison. I thought to myself, was it? Because I don't even remember <laughs> seeing the bison. Uh, I remember the other animals that were in Europe. But yes, vaguely recall a bison. Yes. Not that there was anything wrong with him or her. Um, but yes, I just feel perhaps overshadowed by what came next. Everything that came next was just... So exciting yes. that now I've forgotten about that. <laughs> I don't know why I st- chose to start with that because I am now also being like, yes, I don't have much to no. say there. No, no, no. I do love bison. I do think they're very funny, interesting yes. things. But yes, in terms of kind of animal design of enclosure, it can be quite difficult to make a bison exciting because there, <laughs> yeah. the thing that makes them exciting is the bison itself. There wasn't a lot to... Yeah, I'm just rambling to try and fill space. But yeah, bison. <laughs> Trying to m- Done. move the bison up the ladder a bit. Yeah. Well, sure. We I, appreciate you, bison, but time to move on. <laughs> I've really ordered this poorly because the next animal I have on the list is lynx. And we also didn't see the lynx. So I don't know why I've listed it this way. <laughs> well, do you know um, what? We'll start with that and we'll work up to the exactly. most exciting ones. <laughs> We've gone poo, bison, lynx, and it just gets better from here. Um, oh. But the lynx, I found, I think, an interesting, an interesting fact, which I didn't know, but I love a bit of Greek myth. Greece, for anyone who does not know, Greece is one of my favourite countries in the world. Mm-hmm. Love it so much. Like, the history, the people, the views, the architecture, everything. Beautiful. Love Greece. And the lynx used to be a species that was in Britain. There's reintroduction on the card cards for it and i think the reason the reason i bring up greece is because its name comes to the greek myth of linceus whose eyesight was so sharp that it could actually see through earth oh so the lynx so attuned to Mm. nature and everything that's going on around about it that it gets that name and i think that's quite an interesting fact to begin with um although what did make me laugh is there was also a in the guidebook where I learned that fact, there was also a keeper top tip, which was go first thing in the morning because that's when they're most active. Love that. Um, and we were there <laughs> bright and early. They did not seem to be there, but no. we do know cats are more active in the morning. Yeah. So I, I don't think their tip is wrong. I think we just got unlucky. Yeah. Um, but yes, thoughts on the, the missing links? <gasps> missing li- That's... <laughs> but, um... I'm here all week, guys. Thank you um, for that. Yeah, don't have much to add, but I mean, always appreciate a lynx. Nice to see one in a collection, even though we didn't actually see it. Mm-hmm. Nice to know it's there. Yes. Um, and yeah, it was obviously just off chilling that morning. We did go back later in the day to try and spot it again. Still mm-hmm. no luck, but I'm just appreciating the fact that it was there. So. Yes. And sure. I do think, yeah, a good rewilding double bill of bison yes. and lynx. Two conservation projects that are going on in kind yes. of Britain nice that might kind of that. bring to the mind. Um, so yes. Then the first animal we actually saw was I can remember <laughs> were the wild boars. Um, so these guys are from Europe and Asia, although because of human interventions, they're now all over the world because they are good old humans. We put mm-hmm. them at things everywhere. Um, and yes, I quite liked a wild boar. They're just kind of big fat. Ca- you are looking at me like you don't <laughs> remember anything. No, I do remember this, but this for me. I was thinking, oh yes, I remember this because you were so excited and you stopped to take pictures, as you do, and I was like, uh-huh, and kept walking. And the reason that I'm sitting here smiling is because it's just like, whenever we see any sort of big pig, just... you just love them. Mm-hmm. And we'll happily stand there and like take so many pictures, and I'm always like, uh-huh, it's a pig. Nice, mm-hmm. let's go. Um, Hello, so yeah. little piggies. Yes, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> So I was just remembering that and thinking, oh yes, I'm sure you'll be much more excited about this part of the itinerary than I was. (laughs) I just feel personally that there are some animals which do not receive enough love and pigs are one of them. Pigs are great. Pigs are fantastic. Pigs are beautiful. And I will not hear slander against the wild boars. Okay. Um... Despite the fact that I, yeah, they were, they they were, I, I don't have much informative things to tell you about them, listeners. I just liked seeing them because I just like a wild boar and I like a, something that feels grounded in Europe. I think in zoos that are in Europe and in the UK, I think we should highlight local species hmm. and animals that are around about us. I feel like wild boar is a good representative of Europe um, because, yeah. Quite interesting. I just love pigs. I feel. Like, <laughs> I know you do. Yeah. So maybe now on animal number four, we'll come on to something that you're uh, you're more <laughs> you have opinions on, which was the brown bear, and this oh, yes. is the first kind of big predatory animal that we saw. So probably the first thing that a lot of visitors, including Jodie, apparently will appreciate, um, <laughs> was the 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 um, the brown bear. Um, they're closely related to Kodiak and. 
Kodiak and grizzly bears, they weigh 250 to 300 kilograms. They have 10 centimeter long claws, 42 teeth. Their diet is about 10 to 15% meat. They eat berries and forage nuts apart from that. And they're threatened because of habitat fragmentation as all animals seem to be. So those were the brown bears. Jodie, thoughts on brown bear? My thought on this gal was that <laughs> she was just a gorgeous, gorgeous gal. Mm-hmm. She really was. So fluffy, so chunky. We love. Um, and I feel like we went at a really good moment because we sort of saw her being quite active and she was walking mm. about. And then later on in the day, I don't think we saw her when we passed by again. No. So I think we kind of hit the jackpot at the time that we went by. But she was, it was one of those things where she was doing nothing except walking about. But we were just like, oh, yes. look at her. And what was her name? I want to say her name was Cinderella. I wanted to say Aurora. I can't remember. Uh, what, but princess what, princessy, <laughs> yes. Um, and deservedly so. Oh, Why yes. are there no fat bear princesses? This is what I want to know. Yes, Bring... asking the real question. Hashtag that. for the chunky bears. <laughs> <laughs> Justice for the chunky bears. Um, because, yeah, I I appreciated the naming convention. Odd naming convention. I know. There, I there'll a be fan. a story there. There will yes. be. I, we, what we would like to see is a little sign on the enclosure. Just mm. explaining... The story of Cinderella slash Aurora, whoever she may be. Yes. Why she got her name. But uh, either way, we don't care. We just appreciate her. Princess indeed. Yes, yes. Well, the reason Lovely I'm thinking girl. Aurora is Aurora is Sleeping Beauty. And oh, they sleep. sleep a lot. Mm, that would make sense. So this is where my thought is coming from. I could be wrong. Listeners, please tell me if I'm wrong. Um, Adam, Holly, if you're listening, um, who are two ZSL friends, um, please tell us if we're wrong because I would, I can't remember. Um, but yes, I like the bears. I thought we did walk past it in exceptionally good time because I feel like a lot of the day they will just spend chilling under trees and oh, whatever yeah. it is. But mm-hmm. I thought the enclosure itself was really interesting because it was like a wood. So you would get glimpses yeah. of this bear. Like it's amazing how quickly a massive bear can just disappear into the woods yeah um which i really appreciate and i really like so it was nice to see a bit of bear love and a bit of bear action right off right kind of straight off the gate um and it was good that you could see it sort of from ground level when mm -hmm. you're approaching and then you went up over like a bridge kind of thing yes and you could see from a slightly higher up vantage point so that was quite handy for being able to spot her as well Mm -hmm. and i think the good thing about the the bridge aspect was on one side you had the very kind of chilled out bear and on mm-hmm. the other side you had the wolverines which oh, were yeah. just going bat bleep um, <laughs> crazy. Yep. Um, wolverines I thought was really interesting. Wolverines have a 920 square kilometre range. So in the wild they'll ri- range for miles of, or kilometres and kilometres and kilometres. And I learned from the guidebook that that's more than double that of the Amara tiger. Oh. So huge range for wolverines. Um, they are also known, speaking of bears, they're known as the stink bear because of the strong smell they leave in their habitat. Now, I didn't notice that personally. No. Not going to knock points off them for smelling. Um, uh, but I did find them quite an exciting thing to see running around. And I quite appreciate yeah, being able yeah. to see them from above because it was the only way to properly keep track of them because they were just oh, yeah. like back and forward, up tree, this, this, You would just sort of spot a little dot of colour like darting through all the green. Yeah, there was a lot of zooming going on that morning. Yes, yes. Any thoughts on that? Just good for them. I see. Okay. I think as we go on, listeners, the more episodes of this we do, we're becoming less good at it. But we'll see how we get on. We're relying on you for like the technical conservation knowledge and I'm just here to commentate. Yeah. Just... Give, be a sounding give board. my chat about the vibes <laughs> i'm just here for the vibe check <laughs> it's all about I'm the vibes for, for me yeah um just doing a vibe check yeah yeah um the last animal we have in our europe zone um we didn't see it this immediate moment but i'm bringing it in here because we didn't spot it till a little bit later on um is the reindeer oh, i love yeah. reindeer um yeah. reindeer found in norway and finland which is why they are slotted in here mm-hmm. um and yeah, I didn't have much. They were very chill. They were right up at the fence. Clearly very friendly little guys. Um, very, yeah, I just appreciate a reindeer. I think there's something about that mystical kind of childhoodness of yeah. it. But um, yes, and I think their enclosure, like the rest of them, I feel like we did a bad job of explaining this, is like this whole area is basically a wooded zone. The whole zoo yeah. really is a wooded zone, but this area in particular feels like you're in a woods. So it was quite nice to see the, all of these animals and the reindeer living in an area which felt very natural to them and I'll appreciate that on a 
a deep level. Um, and I feel like the reindeer were a little bit, a little bit further out than the rest because they were sort of right on the edge of the park, and they had something like lodges. I think there's like little accommodation yeah, that you it looked can like it. Yeah. stay in, and it was kind of there was a restaurant or a cafe or something mm-hmm. nearby as well. So they were sort of tucked away to the extent that you might miss them mm-hmm. if you didn't know they were there and you weren't looking for them. But I'm glad that we did go looking for them because yeah, there was one that was like right up at the fence and just Very so chill and mm-hmm. yeah, it was a nice little tranquil moment just sitting watching the reindeer. Yes, just munching away on some grass. Yeah. Big, big fan. Big, 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 big fan. Um, but yes, that brings us to the end of Europe. So that was our first zone uh, looked through, featuring bear, bison, um, lynx, um, wild boar, wolverines, reindeer. And I think overall, strong opening zone because it's a lot yeah. of interesting things. I do think we happen to get unlucky with a couple of things. It's like at the start <laughs> yeah. of Jurassic Park, you know, when they're, I don't know, do you, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this reference for the listeners. You won't mm-hmm. know, uh, <laughs> but like um, at the start of Jurassic Park, they go in the the cars and they're like um, do this tour and there's no, a Dilophosaurus and there's no this and there's no that and there's da, da, da. so we did have a little bit of that experience where they're like banging on the cameras, being like, "Are there any dinosaurs on this dinosaur tour?" Mm-hmm. Like, um, and then later on we got eaten by a T Rex. Um, so you do find the animals in the end. You just have to be patient. And this is the thing. I'm going on a ramble, but like you have to be patient at these places. And I feel like in the end, we did see the majority of stuff. So yeah, good start, I would say. Um, but then it leads you on to quite possibly the, in terms of the enclosure itself, maybe not the biggest or grandest or whatever, but in terms of the viewpoint, the greatest penguin exhibition oh my goodness. I've ever seen in my entire life. Yes. Listeners, I cannot stress the these penguins have prime real estate looking over <laughs> the entirety of the English countryside. It they feels really like do. I feel like you could see like anywhere from Manchester to York all the way up to Liverpool oh, or wherever stunning. it is. I feel like you could just see the entirety of England in front of you. I and know. it was just fantastic and I loved it. Um they I have... know and, and it, we should probably explain like because mm-hmm. it is literally out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the countryside. Mm-hmm. The sort of outer edge of the whole park you're not you don't feel like you're up a hill because you're walking on Mm -hmm. flat ground all the time but we must be situated kind of up a hill because around that outer ring you can just see out like across this whole like vista and it's just stunning and we went on a really sunny day Mm -hmm. and it was so clear and so green the green grass and the blue sky and it was just stunning to and the point about the penguin pool I'll hop in here with this. I took a picture mm-hmm. and sent <laughs> took a picture and I sent it to my friend mm-hmm. and the view is so gorgeous. She came back and she was like, I'm just trying to work out like what that is, like how they've painted that backdrop <laughs> to make it look so realistic and like trying to understand mm-hmm. like the perception of what she was looking at. And I was like, no, no, that's not a painted wall. That is the view. Mm-hmm. Like that is the countryside. And she like couldn't get her head around this. Yeah. Like it's so stunning. It looks fake. Yes. It's, <laughs> and I think that's the, the advantage. The advantage of Whipsnade is that opposed to maybe the historical kind of buildings and things of London Zoo, this yeah. just has the countryside at its disposal. Mm-hmm. It is to like um, London Zoo what Highland Wildlife Park is to Edinburgh Zoo, yeah. what I imagine the Wild Place project is to Bristol Zoo. Like it's the sister equivalent that's outside of the city that's got yeah. this kind of space as far as the eye can see, 600 acres, mm-hmm. and is a, a, this vantage point of just incredible, beautiful, wonderful land that you could see forever and ever and the penguins got really to make the most of it because they just were sat there they have black-footed penguins and is it rock hopper yes rock hopper and black-footed penguins Mm -hmm. um black-footed penguins are the only penguins that breed in africa which is quite interesting um they however what's also interesting but kind of sad is that they've had a 90 percent decline in numbers since the 20th century due to things like pollution and overfishing so a, a really endangered kind of kind of species that is mm. facing these huge threats, as all animals are, uh, that live and rely on the ocean. They are getting polluted and overfished till there is none left. Um, but yes, a great kind of conservation message. Um, and to really bring it back up again, because that was kind of a depressing dip, uh, black-footed penguins have individual spot patterns. So you can tell the difference between each penguin based on its spot pattern. So quite interesting. Lovely. Um, I'd seen black-footed penguins in South Africa when I visited. We went to Boulder's Beach, mm-hmm. and oh, it's so cool. Like because of, <laughs> like here in Scotland, we like 
seagulls are perfectly nice, but they're the most, they're the biggest bird you'll see at the seaside. Yeah. Whereas down walking onto a beach and seeing like real life penguins in the wild was yeah. so cool. So to see them here and kind of to have all those memories flood back to me, I think was really, really nice. Um, I kind of appreciated it. They were oddly situated because they weren't in Africa. But they weren't in Europe. They were yeah, just kind of stuck on the edge of, of the zones. Yeah, but... they're like right down the edge in the corner, aren't they? They're, yeah. they're the only sort of thing. You go down that path, they're the only thing down there. Yeah. But I, one thing I would point out while we're on that note is that there was a lot of sort of spare space in this zoo. Like a lot of... You'd walked on a big long path and you were just surrounded by like flat green mm-hmm. bits of grass on either side. And sometimes I feel like there's a temptation with the zoos to use every bit of land mm-hmm. space that they've got. And this zoo didn't do that. It didn't need to because it had so much stuff in it as it was. And it's quite nice that it was able to have that, those extra bits of land, like just to be there and people could have picnics and just Mm -hmm. stick a bench there and you can just sit and look at the view. And it was nice because, yeah, as much as you're in a zoo, you also felt like you really were just out in nature, which was nice. Yes. A nice balance. Yes. And did you have any comments about the penguins specifically? Um, They passed the vibe check. They were good. Good. That's nice to know. Um, (laughs) Good for them. Um, There was loads as well. We commented that at the time. It was like, because a woman was there, one of the keepers was out uh, feeding, feeding, I think, Mm -hmm. and it was very much like Walking Dead vibes. Like, they spotted her and that was it. They were were going for her. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, just a lovely little corner of the zoo and a a nice little feature of the morning. Yes. I enjoyed it. I, I, I really appreciate it. And I think it was a nice little little zone um to kind of come to even though it was not related to any of the other uh, other areas it was cool it didn't matter it had the best view in the world um now next the next thing we came to uh, obviously we mentioned there is africa there is europe there is asia which means there is no representation technically of uh south america mm-hmm. nor Australia, Australasia, Oceania, whichever, however you choose to group that particular <laughs> continent, that is not a debate we'll be getting into today. Um, however you decide to group the continents is up to you. Um, but in fact, there was, because this is when we first encountered um, a Patagonian Mara. Yes. So around the the park, there are wallabies and Patagonian Mara, which I think are just free to do whatever they so please. Yeah, free um, roaming. Yes. So the... Wallabies, obviously representing Australia. Patagonian Mara representing Patagonia, South America. Mm-hmm. Um, these were the first of the two that we, we encountered. Um, and they were just sat, like us, admiring this amazing, <laughs> amazing view. Yeah. Um, now, for somebody that doesn't know what a Mara is, I have a description here of them. But, um, Jodie, would you describe a Mara? <laughs> it's l- the weirdest little guy that you're mm-hmm. ever going to see. It's kind of like... Overall, I feel like it kind of looks a bit like a rabbit, but it doesn't mm-hmm. have the long ears. It's got long little spindly legs like a deer. Mm-hmm. And then the little face always reminds me of a capybara. Yes. So it's kind of like that. But we somebody told me that they'd heard them described as looking a bit like a donkey. Oh, I don't see that. No, I'm not seeing donkey. I don't know what donkeys they've been looking at. So I would take donkey <laughs> out of the equation, but maybe you'll look at it and you'll see a donkey. But yeah, for me, it's a mix of a deer, a rabbit and a capybara. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that's totally accurate. And yeah. I yeah, they are, I was going to read out this little description that I pulled from the, the um, ZSL website, but I don't think I need to because it's uh, you were bang on. Uh, they're found in the South American lowlands. Um, and so, yeah, they are... Yeah, I think... Yeah, you've done done the Mara proud. They are just these strange things that look kind of rabbity, rodenty, yeah, bizarre. They're so um, weird, but they're so chill because I have them at my new work. For long term listeners, I now have a new job in a new animal collection in Scotland, and uh, we have Patagonian Mara uh, in one section of our park. And yeah, they're always one that visitors ask about because I feel like no one knows what these are. Mm-hmm. No one's seen them before. They're so weird. They're hard to describe, but they're just very chill. Yeah. And I feel like as we went round, I mean, it was a sunny day, so maybe that helped. But they were always just kind of lying, chilling in the sun. Mm-hmm. They didn't seem bothered by visitors kind of walking by. Mm. And I was just like, good for them. They're they're living their best life. Yeah. Um, I did appreciate that they kind of, they bounce like rabbits too. So the few mm. times we did see them move, it was just kind of like two little bounces and then fall over again. Which I, <laughs> I liked, again, past the vibe check. Yeah. Um, <laughs> big fans. Big, 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 big fan of that. Um, but yes, they are uh, near threatened. For anyone who's interested in that kind of thing, um, so <laughs> in more technical commentary than yes, they yes, passed the, the vibe, vibe check. check. <laughs> um, yes, so they're threatened by things like hunting and habitat loss, um, and then the kind of agriculture industry is kind of 
not uh, helping in the terms of kind of yeah where they're where they can live it's mm-hmm. taking up a lot of space reducing the areas where they can they can kind of reside and also kind of sheep farming and mm-hmm. um, apparently is having an impact because obviously the sheep eat the resources that Mara would eat so oh. there's kind of this competition mm-hmm. so kind of a sad but interesting bit of competition there um that yeah it's an issue that obviously needs addressed um i don't know how because i'm not an expert in the patagonian mara or that area of the world but i i'm sure there are conservation projects all over the place trying to deal with this and if not get on it because these guys are very very cute and very very strange so big big fan uh, <laughs> now we move now to our next kind of themed area mm-hmm we have, of course, we've covered Europe, we've covered random penguins, we've covered South America, and now we have come into Africa. And the first animal, the same actually as the first African animal we saw at London Zoo, mm-hmm. was hunting dogs. So for anyone who didn't listen to the the, hunt, the hunting dog review, the <laughs> London Zoo Zoo uh, ZSL is working in Kenya to kind of protect these animals with trackers and all sorts of things and reduce wildlife conflict. There's a more accurate description in that episode so if you'd like to to hear that you can um but an interesting fun fact that i did not mention in that resu is that these guys have the largest litter size of any canine averaging about 10 pups fun fact so good on the mums um and yeah so hunting dogs this space to me was fabulous it was huge Mm. like i think what we've kind of not said much is the scale of everything yeah so again like all the other kind of goes without saying whatever we're talking about just imagine the enclosure was huge because it always was (laughs) Uh and it had kind of these nice like overlooking bits it had lovely beaded designs of dogs uh, hunting dogs it was a very nice themed kind of zone and again this kind of when i say that there's not huge amounts of africa theming this art that they put in the zone there was African-ish theming here. Yeah. Like, this is where it was kind of touching on the kind of light themage yeah. um, beyond the just animal grouping. So there was some nice, like, African-esque um, zonage, signage. It, it, gave a, it, it gave a vibe, yeah. um, which worked. Um, and so, yeah, I was a big fan of the the hunting dogs. Um, I don't know, Jodie, did you have any thoughts? Um, no, other than that, they're, they can be quite tricky to spot. Mm-hmm. Because because it is so big and they spend a lot of their time lying down. Like there was quite a few moments when if one of us was looking at the enclosure and the other one wasn't, one of us would go, "Oh look, there it is! It's popped its head up." And by the time yep. you look around, it's gone again. <laughs> so it is, I think, one of those ones where patience is key. Mm-hmm. You'd have to just kind of stand and and watch and wait. But the patience pays off because we went back a few times and we managed to see them quite mm-hmm. a few times and we saw them kind of roaming about a little bit later on in the afternoon. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just beautiful animals. Yeah, I would say so. And there's something that I kind of miss seeing more regularly because I don't think any collection in Scotland has them. Mm. Um, but when you see them, it just throws, like they're just cool, cool, brilliant animals. Yeah. And I think they're indeed they're one of these species that obviously faces serious threats. They have these kind of issues of um, human wildlife conflict. I think is a major one. Like, and when there have been reintroductions attempted of these animals, they are sometimes result in kind of communities not taking too well from them mm. and kind of pushing these animals out again even when reintroduced so kind of it's an interesting controversial issue um which i think you if you're interested in that type of thing look into because there is kind of a lot going on around the the hunting dog but nice to know again this is a kind of zsl species that they're supporting yeah. um with their kind of trackers and things so a good conservation representative and a really interesting thing to see as well opposite them uh we have cranes not big, tall, lifting type cranes. We have <laughs> birds. Um, I can't remember exactly the type of crane. They were not in the guidebook as I could find, but I wanted to mention them because they were beautiful. These long-legged, red, black and white cranes, which were fabulous. Jodie did not take to them in the same way I did, so I imagine you won't have a comment. No. No. <laughs> so the next animal we come to is the giraffes. Giraffes can run at 56 kilometres per hour, the 30 kilograms of leaves a day, and ZSL is, of course, working to protect them out in the wild as well. And we talked about that a lot in the London Zoo. zoo. Yeah. Um, but did you have any thoughts on this space in particular, Jodie, and these giraffes? You, When you went indoors, you could get quite close to them, if I recall. Yes. Like they sort of came right up mm-hmm. to the, the balcony that you were stood on. 
um, which was impressive, but also made me a little bit worried because knowing the general public, <laughs> surely someone tries to, you know, feed them or touch them and that kind of thing. Um, but it was nice. And another little touch that I appreciated in here was that they had not only information about giraffes in general, but they mm-hmm. had four little sort of profiles or however many profiles about their specific giraffes, mm-hmm. told you their names and when they were born and where they'd come from and all that kind of thing. So I always like that. It's a nice little touch because it's just nice to know who they've got. And I think, yeah, it adds character to the animals that are, are yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, we did see a poor, a poor, 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 poor staff member having to explain um, animal death to... Oh, yeah. This was awkward. This woman being like, I'm sure I once saw this here. Um, and this poor staff member like, in front of this woman and her child being yeah. like, oh, we don't have it anymore to the yeah. parent. And if somebody says to you in a zoo oh, we don't have it anymore, and you have a child standing next to you, just assume, just don't ask any more hint. questions. Yep. Take the hint. Because yep. you really don't want to traumatise your child by being like, oh, you, it, it died. Yeah, like, and at one point, like another volunteer guy who was also there got called over to but, take part in the mm-hmm. chat, and you could see the, the first guy kind of being like, take the hint. Please. Um, but yes. yes. But yes. I think they dealt with, the, those two, the volunteer staff member, whatever they were, dealt with it very well because yeah. that woman was not letting it go. No. And they were trying to be like, we're going to have to phrase this gently for the kid. Yeah. They, but they still managed to like pull it around and it was quite interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, I can sympathise with that because mm-hmm. I feel like we've both been there where mm-hmm. someone's like, oh, last time you had this and you have to be like, yeah, no. No. And like, <laughs> not oh, anymore. Sometimes things move. Like, it's a big thing that animals but will if move. if something moves, I'll say, oh, that's moved to wherever. Yeah. So if, no, if they're not giving you that chat, just just read yeah. between the lines there. Mm-hmm. Just top, top tip there from, uh, from, from zoo staff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yes, the circle of life and all that. These things will happen. Yeah, um, this is it. So it's, yeah, best sometimes for the sake of you and your children, just to, to let things lie. <laughs> um, um, but yes, once you get through the the giraffes, you then come to rhinos, and again, I believe it was Adam said that the entirety of London Zoo could fit inside the rhino enclosure. Oh yeah, of Whipsnade Zoo, mm-hmm. and I kind of was like, when he told us that at London Zoo, I was like, that's ridiculous yeah we were like, like nah that, surely not that can't be true no. and then you see the rhino enclosure and you're like no that tracks that, yep 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 that tracks um and it's huge um so just some f- fun facts and interesting things about rhinos i don't know why i've written that in this order but the first thing i've written down about rhinos clearly i had poo on the mind is that uh-huh. their poo contains chemicals which provide info about themselves which provides information about themselves um, the other yet rhinos will then use to identify them if they're in the area, which I think is uh, interesting. Um, then on to the more kind of factual professional facts. Um, f- the first rhinos arrived at Whipsnade Zoo in 1970. There were 20 of them. And since then, 50 rhino births have happened at the zoo. ZSL is working with Kenya to raise illegal wildlife hunting penalties. Um, there are 14 individuals in a group of rhino, usually. Um, they are These were white rhinos. They're the biggest species of rhino. The third largest land mammal behind... Any guesses, Jodie? The elephant. And? And... Mm, don't know. Well, a giraffe's tallest, but not really biggest. It's behind the elephant and the elephant. Behind African and oh, Asian elephants. Yeah. So it is number three in the scale, which I, I assume they do it by weight rather than height because I think a giraffe is obviously taller than an yeah, elephant as well. So tallest. it really becomes yes, biggest in terms of bulkiness we have the, the rhinos and I think this was a fabulous space and there was hun- more rhinos than I think I've ever seen in my life in one place. Yeah, um, there was no point trying to count them because they were just dotted about everywhere. Yes, but th- not in a way that you're like, oh, there's too many rhinos in there because the space oh, no. was so huge yeah. that you're like, oh, okay. Uh, so many rhinos, so, so many rhinos. And there was a little baby rhino, which, well, oh, a not so little baby rhino, yeah. which I just loved seeing. Very, very, very cute. Even though it was a bit bulkier than perhaps uh, most other babies, it was still the star of the show. It was. Um. And I feel like here, there was an indoor house that I don't think we could get into. Is that maybe still closed I think for it was, COVID? Yes. Um, but you could kind of see through the window and I was appreciating the signs and like the theme and stuff that they had in there. And there was something, it kind of looked like a family tree. So yes. she told you about like who the rhinos were that they had there and who was related to who and like what the connection was. So I feel like that was a really nice thing to have 
One, because it helps visitors to identify which animals they're looking at. But also because it highlighted that it is a family tree, so breeding has gone on and then it's highlighting like Mm -hmm. a breeding programme for this endangered species. So I like that. Yes, and I think rhinos are a crowd pleaser. They're a fan favourite. And so to have them just celebrated in this way that I'm like, this is the biggest thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, listeners, if you're not listening... Or you're not listening. If you listeners, if you're not listening, <laughs> listeners, if you're not looking at the map of um, website zoo, pull it up and look at the rhino space because that will give you some context of like just how huge this is. If this is the size, if that rhino space is the size of London Zoo, yeah. then imagine just how big everything else is. And London Zoo doesn't feel small when you're walking around no. it. It feels like a perfectly normal size zoo. Yes, and it fits in this one bit. Yes. Exactly, exactly. And so, yes, we're kind of, um, we were kind of walking around the outside of the, the rhinos to see everything. Um, and so you're walking kind of the outer perimeter and it just feels like it goes on forever and it's fabulous. Yeah. Um, but then you come around and once you've kind of in with the rhinos, there are also various types of antelope. We did also see a Chinese water deer, I believe it was. Um, and we kind of thought, what is this? And this was our mm. first kind of indication that there are species that just kind of dot about and do their own thing. Yeah. Because um, we were like, mm, you look like you'd be squashed very quickly by these guys. <laughs> uh, but no, it was just in there for kind of the sake of wandering about, which I think is quite cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes. So what was I saying? Oh, yes, the antelope. So there's hundreds of, hundreds of, lots of different species of antelope in with the, the rhinos as well. Um, and these include uh, blazebok, gemsbok, bongos, sitatunga, waterbuck, and um, the oryx came slightly later on. And I think, yes, and maybe the bongos were separate as well, but there was lots of just general antelope things going yeah. on, mm-hmm. which I appreciate because, again, like the pigs... Antelope, I feel like once you see like a springbok on TV, everyone's like, that's just all antelope. Mm. Like they're all like that, but they're not. They're so diverse and so beautifully shaped in different ways. And they all have these little quirks that have like, they all have just weird head shape. You're looking at me like I'm crazy, but they're just, they're fantastic. And I just love them. And I think specifically for me, things like the Gemsbok, which were the ones with the very long, straight antlers, the kind of grey colour. Mm-hmm. They held a special place in my heart because they are a species from Namibia where I was meant to go during my master's. And so oh, I yeah. studied a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of pictures of them on a camera trap, which was very funny. Um, and I just, I just love them. I just, so to see them, I was like, yes. Um, and yeah, all sorts of, I love bongos as well. And um, they're an extremely endangered species of antelope. So it was nice to see them. Um, there are very few I can't remember exactly but there are very very few bongo left they're kind of this dark brown antelope with fantastic antlers and Jodie's looking at me like she's getting bored which is an indication (laughs) that I should stop talking about antelope but Jodie please feel free to comment on um, them I mean I'm definitely not quite as passionate about the antelope okay um, but I did appreciate a mixed species habitat we always like to see that Mm -hmm. so yeah just nice to see them kind of roaming about in there with each other and doing their own thing Mm-hmm. just always makes it feel that little bit more natural doesn't it when they're all getting to just chill together just do their own thing and yeah. i think it's nice and especially because they're big species as well they're not like we've chucked a couple different species of bird in one space mm-hmm. where it feels kind of like it's all one room this was kind of like a huge plains and you could yeah. see for miles and it was just fantastic and i love them um and yeah for an antelope person like me then it was great <laughs> um but None of these antelope paled in comparison to uh, the final antelope species, which I'm going to speak about, I promise, which was the oryx, which Mm -hmm. were the white, kind of beige, tanned coloured, long, kind of horned, um, kind of curved uh, antelope species, which were classified as extinct in the year 2000 by the IUCN. So ZSL are doing incredible, 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 incredible work to reintroduce the oryx back into game reserves in Chad. Um, And they're working with kind of, I think it's said on the website, there are 220 zoological collections around the world kind of working on breeding these animals to get them back where they belong in the wild. The reintroductions happened in 2016 and 2017. And so there are now, they're back out there. um, And it just is so incredibly... um, fantastic to see things like this um so yeah yeah i just i don't know what else to say i'm just so happy that they managed <laughs> to like bring this animal back and i think same with the pierre david's deer that uh-huh. we talked about previously kind of these extinct in the wild species that kind of as a child i loved seeing them kind of have this success and this breeding success and this conservation success with an organization such as zsl is just so 
justifying and encouraging and fantastic. And I think these are particularly beautiful, wonderful animals. They have these long kind of eyelashes. They have these beautiful eyes. They have this beautiful colour. And you just fall instantly in love with them. So I think there's just so much about them that just makes me so, so happy. I don't know, Jodie, do you have any thoughts on, on Oryx? <laughs> just that it's good you know they're a good example of the work that zoos and places mm-hmm. like that do and you know why they are really important because they can give species a lifeline mm-hmm. um, that's something that I talk about with the pair David's deer at my work as well mm-hmm. and yeah just really good to, to have a specific example one that people might quite often overlook that you mm-hmm. can bring up and just be like look look what we're doing look at the good work that's going on here exactly exactly and it just I don't know I, I wish I had more to say about them and more kind of information to give you but I just just love them and I think it's so encouraging to see conservation work in this way and zoos work in this way and yeah big fan big claps to ZSL for this um, and to all the other organizations which I presume are involved because you can't reintroduce a species on your own you Mm. have to kind of there has to be a huge amount of collaboration so teamwork makes the dream work exactly fantastic we're just full of interesting phrases today Um, (laughs) (laughs) but yes big big fan Um, and yeah um We'll hope to see big success for them in the future. Now, from one favourite to another, we jump from the graceful, the beautiful, the model-like Oryx uh-huh. to, I think, another stunner, perhaps in a very different way, which is hippos. Oh, yes. Both big and little <laughs> hippos. We have the pygmy hippo and we have... The, I call them big hippos, but they're called common hippos yep. um, as well. So, yes, um, the they have uh, both of them here at the zoo. They have um, a reed bed water filtration system to keep their kind of everything nice and going. They're mm-hmm. kind of built on this kind of this kind of hill. So they have this water at the bottom and then they have this building at the top and there's lots of space for hippos to run around in. Um, and just, yeah, they weren't doing much when we first got there. They were just kind of sleeping. But I'll tell you some fun facts about them because I feel like we need to f- do more than they were doing, which was just <laughs> sleeping. Um, but uh, yes, so the interesting things about hippos, their eyes and their nostrils are on the top of their head and therefore above the water when they go underwater so they can still see and breathe and do everything they need to do. Um, hippo, hippopotamus is the ancient Greek, bringing up that theme again, uh, for river horse. And 80% of their um, communication occurs underwater, which I thought was interesting. Um, and an interesting comparison, just to give you some scale on the size of hippos, mm-hmm. um, the little hippos, uh, pygmy hippos, have one set of incisors, whereas big Big hippos, common hippos have three. So you're kind of getting this huge scale of like just how big a regular hippo is compared to a little one. Um, and yeah, I just love hippos. Same. I don't know why. And I don't know what it is about them. I just think they embody everything I love, which is just being yourself and not caring. <laughs> and if someone comes for you and tries to put you down, you have the teeth and the bite and the shout to come back at them. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have big mouths and I have a big mouth, clearly, because I talk so much. Um, so it's a great vibe. I'm a big, 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 big fan of hippos. I can't tell you. I took a... They have a display outside that's like common hippo versus regular hippo. Mm-hmm. Or common hippo versus pygmy hippo for like scale. And I made, I made sure to get a picture with that. It's now my profile picture on Facebook. Like I love, 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 love hippos. Thoughts. They are. They're just beautiful. And they're an animal that shouldn't be described as beautiful, but they just are. Mm-hmm. I just love them. Um, and what I liked here as well is that obviously they had the outdoor space, which you kind of had to walk down a little one-way track to get to, but mm-hmm. worth it. Make sure you go down there because mm-hmm. love it. And then when you went inside, I liked that in the hippo house, it was sort of split into two. And on one yes. side, you had the pool for the pygmy hippo. And then on the other, you had the pool for the common hippo and I just liked that you could go in the house and they would they could both potentially be in there together they weren't mm-hmm. when we went in um but yeah I just like that that they're they're next to each other it mm-hmm. makes sense in my head and I think it's probably a good thing they both went and but both weren't in there because the smell I feel could oh, have been overpowering yes um I'll never ever forget when we were younger being uh I can't remember was it animal kingdom or something um and my mum being like they're just and animal kingdom has this beautiful kind of glass wall that's underwater so you can see them walking around Mm. um and i'll never forget my mum being like aren't they just so graceful and just as she said that the hippos 
poo underwater a lot mm-hmm. of the time. So just as it said it, it pooed, but it didn't just poo it right in front of us after being described as graceful. It spun its tail. Love and that. And that really sprays it out. So you get a nice spread of the feces right up at the glass, <laughs> um, which just, it always makes me laugh. I'm thinking about it because I'm like, oh, graceful. Um, and I think maybe that's where my love of hippos began. Maybe they're pig-like as well, so... Maybe. Maybe it's just chunky, chunky boys that I mm. like. Um, and yeah, big, 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 big fan of the hippos. Um, yeah, big, big fan. I can't think of much else to say apart from they're just great. Yeah. Very sleepy. There's something that we had to come back to to see them in a bit better position because yeah. I think, um, obviously, if a hip, once a hippo's down, there's not much in the world that can make that thing move. So, mm-hmm. uh, yes, but big, 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 big fan of hippos and yeah i feel like we're really covering a lot of africa right now but this is what i like is because it all feels very tied together and so themed and i really really like it um how that they've done this because it's like we've talked about iconic african species like giraffe and this and that and the next thing and it felt this way where you're kind of like you're in the african mindset by this point you're seeing so much of africa just loved it just as a side note there but yes um, oh, and something I wanted to mention actually about the reed bed filtration system is it's a very eco-friendly way of keeping water clean. Mm-hmm. And so it's a really good eco-friendly practice, which I think a lot of zoos and things that need filtration should think about because it works very, very well. And it provides clean, nice water, naturally cleaned water for the animals. So I think nice eco-friendly practice there, which really extra point for Whipsnade Zoo. I really, really appreciated that as well. Um, now, once you've done the hippos, you continue round and you come to your first of... Is this our first... Oh no, there was the lynx, we didn't see it. I was going to say our first cat of the day, but we didn't see the lynx, so maybe this was the first cat, which is a cheetah. Um, which again, like the hunting dogs, was lying down. So it was one of those things where it's like, head up, oh, there it is, head down, disappears. But still appreciated it. It was a good big space that looked like it could be split in two, potentially, for breeding purposes, um... I think really, really interesting kind of themage. This was kind of more at the start when we were saying there's not like huge amounts of theming. This was another spot where they'd really chosen to add a little bit of theming. There was a truck, like a safari truck. There was kind of a hut built for them that kind of looked kind of more in a kind of, yeah, more authentic African architectural theme, which I really appreciated. Um, And yeah, I just really love cheetahs. I think uh, and what's actually really interesting is since ZSL discovered in 1967 that male cheetahs will not mate with females that they live with, um, there have been 140 cubs born at Whipsnade Zoo. Um, they can travel 8 metres in one stride. Um, they can run at up to 103 kilometres per hour. Um, but there has been a 30% decrease in the wild um, in numbers in the last 18 years. So... Mm. Cool, interesting things, but again, important conservation message to hit home that they are not off the hook just because they're cool. Yeah. Um, something we really need to think about. Uh, but ZSL going a long way to help fix that issue with 140 cubs. Um, picky, picky, picky male cheetahs not breeding with people they live with. I know. Classic male behaviour there. Um, <laughs> they're just going out to the clubs and picking up anyone they can to breed with. Um, but yeah, so cheetahs, thoughts? Feelings. I liked the signage in this area. Okay. Uh, because I just find it really interesting. This was a point, I think maybe I'd left you at the hippos taking many photos and I'd wandered up to start mm-hmm. reading some signs about cheetahs. And I just really appreciated, because there was a lot about the history and it was talking about the breeding program and all of that kind of thing. And I think something that it said, if I remember this correctly, was about how the cheetah enclosure... It told you how big it was, and it's a lot bigger, I think, than the part that you can see as yes. a visitor. And it said something like it's split into about, I want to say, eight different chunks so <laughs> that they can, like, separate them all out. So when we were there, we only saw one cheetah, and it was just, like, in this, this one little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think the, the cheetah enclosure is a lot, lot bigger than meets the eye. There's obviously bits over, like, mm-hmm. behind those fences and hedges and things that we saw. Um so yeah, I've been intrigued to see that from like a bird's eye view and just be nosy. See that. Yeah, and just like see it in its prime with a bunch of cheetahs and cubs and stuff in it because I think that would be a, an amazing little facility for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I think so. Really, really interesting to kind of, I always like, and I wish, I need to start pulling some strings and emailing people and be like, can we see what goes on behind the scenes? Because I'm really intrigued to know what's behind certain walls and what's behind yeah. certain bits of theming. So yeah, I kind of, yeah, I'm equally as intrigued um and yeah i just love cheetahs i think there's something that like 
these slender legs and long tail and everything. Mm. Just fantastic, really interesting kind of um, bizarre cats. Big, big fan. Um, any more closing thoughts on the cheetahs or... Chill vibes. Chill vibes only. Yeah. True. True, true, true. Um, so, yes. So, you then kind of leave the cheetahs and the next thing you kind of are confronted with um, are ostriches, which were patrolling oh, the perimeter yeah. of their enclosure like velociraptors. Another mm-hmm. Jurassic Park thought for you. Um, I don't know. I was like, oh, yeah, because I forgot about them, but I don't know I, how because they were... I always forget how big they are and impressive. Yeah, really cool. Very impressive animals, weren't they? Yeah. And the, the, what I liked is they put all the like food around the outside, so clearly they were coming up and like, being like, mm, hello. Mm. Um, but yeah, I really liked them. I didn't have much to say about the ostriches because they weren't oh, really... They had a big space. They had a huge space. Um, they weren't doing particularly much, but interesting um and of course uh, what i liked a lot about them is that they had some very interesting neighbors um and i think quite a cruel thing to taunt the, their neighbors with the ostrich which was the lions um yeah. but like oh there's a roast dinner just through the fence that we can't get to <laughs> um and yeah so whipsy do did have lions um i think they all passed away and then but when we went, we were very lucky because there was a visiting group of lions mm. from Africa Alive. Because I think uh, earlier this year, there was a lot of storms and Africa Alive suffered some kind of damages on their lion enclosure. So when we went, there were five African lions um, there for us to see. And I always forget African lions are so big yeah. because they're just like, you don't realise like between Asiatic lions and African lions, there is such a huge step up mm-hmm. in terms of size. Um and yeah, I just kind of really appreciated seeing the African lions. They were very chilled, as big cats are. Mm-hmm. They sleep for most of the day. Um, but whenever we were there, there was always at least one kind of up and about. And again, they kind of, in their choosing to really theme an area, these guys kind of got a lot of that as well, yeah. I think. Um, but yes, thoughts on, on lions? Um, I was just really glad that we got to see them. And I feel like they had only just arrived when yes. we were there like I think it was very a recent. couple weeks before yeah and um, no that was good because it was quite a big space that they had and I think before those guys moved in for the little holiday uh-huh. it had been empty for quite a while and I feel like it's quite a big space so it would have been a shame if it was not in use when we yes. had been there and it would be a shame to not see lions because I feel like you you would have missed them like mm. it would have felt like that was kind of the only animal that you didn't see in mm. this zoo and given that they're such you know big charismatic animals yeah. that everybody looks for you would have felt like they were missing so yeah i feel like the timing was it was good it was nice to see them and um nice that they had that spare enclosure so that they could accommodate these yeah. guys in their hour of need <laughs> but uh yeah it would be grand i think if they could get lions back mm-hmm. back again like for themselves once those guys move back home because i think it's yeah. happening very soon it, it will have yeah. happened by the time this comes out probably so okay we'll see what happens then mm. um but i'm gonna quiz you because i did not have any fun facts written down for lions and you work at somewhere with african lions i do so please tell us some fun facts about african lions um well, i mean i can tell you sort of general lion yeah. facts they Go are the only social big cats so they'll like to live in you know their big prides whereas okay. others generally tend to be more solitary interesting um they spend they reckon sort of up to 18 hours a day sleeping which was fitting love that for for the the group that we saw mm-hmm. um normally the males will leave the pride at maybe sort of two or three years old and head off and start their own or take one over whereas the girls will tend to stay with with their female relatives and um being girl bosses just chucking okay. in all the phrases today <laughs> and uh, yeah just again chill vibes only because that's what that's what they were interesting uh, it was nice i feel like when we got there it was kind of the sun was coming down and just like hitting those lions and a lovely golden light when they were lying there snoozing and they're just majestic yes just so like such lion king vibes just Mm -hmm. you're just like yes royalty yes yes i did think it was funny when we arrived that the the light was hitting them in just the right way but they were sat in such a place that you could barely see them yeah so like all of these like people were just like faced smooshed up against the glass yeah it was a very certain angle that you could see them at which was quite funny to watch just like people like lions um and yes outside the lions there was also meerkats but um, yeah another one where it was like ah okay interesting yeah and and i don't really have much to say about them just they were meerkats uh yeah 
they had fit quite with a the big, Africa theme. There was quite a big space for them. But it, yeah, it but looked then like there, there was, was work. only like a few in yeah. there. I think maybe they'd been a bigger group and some have passed away, and so they've they'd kind of sectioned the enclosure into two so that they were all sort of in this little front bit where you could see them. I think when we went round the second time, there had been an addition of a ball pit as some enrichment. Am I making that up? No, Am there was a ball pit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I, if you've never that. seen, listeners, if you've never seen meerkats playing in a ball pit, go look that up and it'll make your day because it's just happy. Um, yes. So yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And then the last of the African animals that I was going to mention um, is we come to the Grevy zebra. Yes. Which, standard zebra lovely looks beautiful in the countryside another huge space um i believe they were either in with or right next to the water buck um kind of deery antelope type things if you have ever wondered what they are um and so yeah but again there's only 2000 grevy zebra left in the wild stripy boys big fan another huge monumental space yeah um and a different, if you listen to our London Zoo or Zoo, different species than they have at London Zoo. So interesting to see that they have both two yeah. different representatives of the zebra the fam. Uh, yes, which I, I really, really appreciated. And I feel like not a lot of people would know that there you do have the different species. Like, yeah. They just think, oh, a zebra's a zebra, but no. Yeah, so if you're going to like, um, yeah, if you're a member or something, you get to see a little bit of both. Or mm. just us who are crazy, uh, you get to see <laughs> a little bit of both. Um and yes, that kind of brings us to the end of Africa. Although, there was these kind of birds. There was two sets of birds. Kind of, cra- like, bridging Africa and Asia. We're not really sure. Maybe this fell into base camp territory that we were mm. going to touch on in the end. But you had the uh, flamingos and the pelicans. Yes. So Those flamingos. They are stunning. The pinkest flamingos in the world. They were the Caribbean flamingos. Um, and something interesting, which I did not... Well, maybe I... You know those facts that are kind of buried deep down in your brain and when you yeah. read them, you're like, mm, maybe I didn't know this. That, for me, was that flamingos stand on one leg to moderate their body temperature in cold water. They um, also stand on one leg because it uses less energy to stand on one leg than it would if they stood on two. Interesting. But balance. Yeah. I don't understand that. I don't know. Interesting. Okay. Uh, they're the pinkest <laughs> of flamingos. They live in flocks of up to 10,000. Um, and, yes... An interesting fact about their zoo care mm-hmm. um, is that they have to feed these flamingos pellets to give them their pink colour, certain type of pellets to give them their pink colour, because obviously out in the wild, they'll be eating kind of crustaceans and algaes and things that give them that colour, yeah. whereas they don't get access to necessarily all of those things within the zoo setting. So they have to pink them up with some pellets, <laughs> um, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And there was little pelicans as well, which you don't really... I feel like I've not seen a baby pellet, not pelican, baby flamingo um, in a while, so interesting to see those as well mm. um and yeah and then there was in a separate pool a bit further down there was uh pelicans and i say pool it was massive it yeah. was another like lake that had pelicans on it mm-hmm. so two really big interesting birds to kind of cap out the morning the last thing we saw before lunch the last yes. thing we saw um kind of in africa ish zones um and so yes what were your kind of thoughts at this point going into to lunch we mm-hmm. kind of covered half the park what were your your thoughts at this point i think i was calming down a bit <laughs> in terms of the timing like with uh-huh. this zoo it was very much a case of you don't dawdle right there's yes. no dawdling because we've got a lot of ground to cover so get around keep the pace up make sure you see everything and mm-hmm. then if you've got time at the end of the day that's the time to go back and dawdle and see whatever you want to see again um but yes i think by this point we'd covered enough land that i was like right okay we can stop for lunch and i can sit for half an hour <laughs> not have a heart attack and uh, plan the rest of the day but yeah i feel like you definitely need you need a lunch break. Like you need a sit down because yes. it's, you've covered a lot of ground in that first half of the morning and you need to kind of constantly be looking back at the map and figuring out where you're going next and mm-hmm. making sure you're not missing things. So yes, lunch, the sight of the restaurant <laughs> in the in the horizon off in the distance was uh, very welcome, I would say, by this point. Yes, yes. And I think what was interesting for me is that like I looked at my Fitbit at this point and mm-hmm. I think we'd done about 20,000 steps already. Yeah. Um, and like... <laughs> Granted, we had come from London, so we'd had to walk from to from our hotel to St Pancras, mm-hmm. get on the train. But I don't think we walked that far, realistically, no. before we got to the zoo. So, yes, we'd done a lot, a lot of walking. But it was only the beginning of our adventure. Um, 
the rest of the adventure, though, came after lunch. Uh, <laughs> so lunch was nice. I liked it. We had chicken burgers. Both of us, I think, had exactly the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I thought what was really nice about the restaurant is it kind of has part of an aviary built around it. So I was sitting oh, having yeah. my chips and then all of a sudden there was an ibis sat on the windowsill next to me. Yeah. It's obviously through glass for safety purposes, but it was really, really cool and interesting to see. And yeah, yeah the food was good. That. The company of the ibis was great. Uh, you were all right too um <laughs> and yeah it was just a nice 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 area and i think what was actually quite nice and i don't know if they were doing it consciously but they had sat like all of the kid families with kids at one end of the restaurant and yes. then like us with the pensioners at the other end yeah. of the restaurant and yeah. i was like this is what i want this it is the kind of very much like it was a kid zone and the adults only could yeah. sit way over here away mm-hmm. from the crying children which i always appreciate yeah i appreciate that and i liked it and the food came quickly and it was really nice it was basic but it was good and it wasn't too expensive so can't really complain about that mm-hmm. um and yes Once we had done that, we were off into Asia. Hello, so sorry to interrupt. As always, me and Jodie have talked for far too long. (laughs) So we're going to take a little break and next time we will be back to talk more about the amazing Whipsnade Zoo. Specifically, it's Asian animals and base camp. So we'll be talking about things like tigers, elephants, rhinos, lemurs. I think we talk about chimps, all sorts of stuff. So make sure and tune back in for that. Because it's also when we're going to be giving our final thoughts. So it really not to be missed. (laughs) To make sure you don't miss out, um, I just want to, you know, quick plug, uh, make sure and subscribe to the show on your podcast streaming service of choice, where you can also leave us a nice review if you are so inclined. Um, But with all of that said, that's all that we have for you today. So I just want to say a huge thank you once again for listening. We hope to see you again soon for part two. And until next time, goodbye. (laughs) 